What's up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Not Gonna Lie. I'm your host, Jonathan Terry, and we've got a good one for you today. I'm going through my mock draft in its entirety, complete with, I think, seven trades is what it looks like. I don't know. We'll get into the exact number um, as we move through through the recording itself. But before we get started, obviously have some really big news. Uh, for those of you who haven't heard, I'll be hosting, or I won't be hosting, but I'll be uh, guest appearing on a live draft coverage uh, of the NFL draft this coming Thursday. My friend Kelvin, who we've had on the show before, a friend of the podcast, is having a four-hour long uh, live reaction show basically to all the draft picks as they come in. Uh, we could have a couple special guests. We're looking into uh, doing some things for charity, giving away to giving away money to some food banks, hopefully raising money during that time. So be sure to join us. Uh, I'll, I'll tag or I'll link the the um, the page in in my bio for Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff, so you guys can check it out. But hopefully you come in at least for a little bit. Uh, it'll be you know super long, four hours, a lot of time. So. Uh, if you guys have any thoughts about you know where where you want your team to go in the draft or or who you think should go in the top five or you know who trades up who trades back, um, we'll have the phone lines open during the whole time so you guys can call in uh, and I hope hopefully we'll see you out there. But before we get into today's episode and today's mock draft, I just want to remind you that this episode and many episodes are brought to you by Audible. Audible is the easiest way to get into audiobooks. Uh, they, they have a wide selection with a bunch of titles, a bunch of different genres, uh, and, and Audible's offering a free 30-day trial to listeners of this podcast. Go to audibletrial.com slash podcast to get started. You can browse all their selections, get one free, try it out, uh, and if you like it, you can continue. But that's audibletrial.com slash podcast. Okay, let's get into it. With the first pick in the 2020 uh, Jonathan Terry mock draft. Not a surprise here. Not going to be, not going to be uh, blowing minds. But the the Bengals select Joe Burrow. I mean, obviously he's a guy that's been linked to the Bengals ever since I I think like week eight or nine of the college football season, or at least linked to the number one overall spot. Um, played really well in that system at LSU. Had a lot of good receivers. Um, I mean, you're going to hear throughout this list and on draft day, you're going to hear a lot of LSU guys have their name called just because that's how special of a team it really was. Um, you look at his numbers from that from this past season, 76% completion percentage is absolutely insane, uh, especially considering all the teams uh, that they went up against. They obviously played in the SEC, and they went up and, and battled against some of the best teams in the entire nation. Probably had one of the toughest schedules uh, and, and came out with an undefeated perfect season. But 60 touchdowns, 5,600 yards. I mean, he's putting up numbers in a in a 14 game season that some players don't even do in the NFL at 16. Um, obviously, some of his strengths. He's a great leader. Uh, his, his accuracy, as you can tell, is is insane through the roof. Um, moves well in the pocket. Uh, he he's got a good presence. He doesn't really stress out um, when 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 things start to collapse on him. But just a couple weaknesses, and and there's not a there's not a ton, but there's a few that that obviously we should should cover. Is the question of well who's who's most uh who's who's to blame or who's who's the the root of his success over this past year mirrored by some of his struggles earlier on like obviously you may remember he was at Ohio State he lost the um the quarterback battle Dwayne Haskins and transferred down to LSU 
And in his first season, 16 touchdowns, 3,000 yards, 58% completion percentage. I mean, those aren't the numbers that we're used to uh, from the Joe Burrow we know now. So was it the NFL caliber talent he was surrounded with that really elevated his play? Was it Joe Brady and passing game coordinator with a new offense? Or did he just flip a switch? Um, I think there's obviously a little bit of both, a little bit of everything coming in uh, that will that is, is kind of the root of, of his success over this past season. But, I mean, you just look at his numbers. QBR, which we know is rated from 0 to 100. His QBR did not drop under 96 in those three championship games uh, going up against Georgia, Oklahoma, and then winning the national championship against Clemson. So he's going to need some help, definitely. Uh, I don't think he's he's at that level where he can carry a team based on his talent alone. Uh, a comp I've got for him that I really like, Tony Romo. Um, obviously, he's an above-average quarterback in his time, but his best years came when he was surrounded with good talent, which I think will be the same for... Joe Burrow as we move through his career uh, maybe not the elite athlete that people are are claiming he he is uh, and not a not a franchise changer as in a guy we see from Andrew you know Andrew Luck who took the Colts from 2 and 14 to 11 and 5 we're not going to see that out of Joe Burrow but uh, you get him in the right system with some good coaches uh, that I believe Zach Taylor is and and he'll thrive number two the Redskins another easy pick they take Chase Young the edge rusher out of Ohio State uh, just another solid pick. And you look at that offensive line in that front seven, Ryan Kerrigan, Jonathan Allen, Montez Sweat, and now Chase Young. Uh, they're they're rivaling some of the best off, uh, defensive lines in the entire country. Just some things about Chase Young. I mean, he's got some really good pass rush moves, speed around the edge, especially considering his size. I mean, he's he's not, you know, he's not undersized at all, 6'5", 264 pounds, but he's got some really good speed uh, and, and gets after the quarterback at a high rate. I'm um, looking at numbers in 2018. He he accounted for 75 quarterback pressures on 470 snaps and 56 on 320 this year. Uh, a, a guy that just lives in the backfield of of opposing offenses is able to get through on almost anybody. Um, and while that, I mean, he had I think it was about 16 sacks this year. While while he may uh, may not may he may lack sacks at times sacks in in um, in games. He's still going to be getting to the quarterback and and applying pressure on a regular basis, which is what you want out of a guy like that. I mean, if and he opens up lanes for for a plethora of other of other pass rushers, especially that the Redskins have. So it's a perfect fit there. Um, I was tempted to go quarterback, but at this point, you just don't see the Redskins ready for a quarterback. I mean, the Bengals are taking it out of necessity. Obviously, they can't go with Andy Dalton, but the Redskins and the Bengals both really don't have the roster to welcome in a quarterback. Um, so it, it's best to, to stay, stay the course, go with Dwayne Haskins another year, or Kyle Allen, either one, um, and build build the program up, get a couple solid draft picks because they don't have a second rounder. I traded that to the Colts last year, but continue to grow. And if things aren't working out at quarterback, you've got two really good quarterbacks in Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence next year that you could easily take. So that's number two. Number three, moving on, we've got our first trade in the draft, the Dolphins, not 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 a huge surprise, but the Dolphins packaged two first-round picks. They're, they're five overall and 26 overall for the Lions' number three to take Tua Tungavailoa in the draft. Uh, I was listening to a podcast this weekend, uh, NFL 360, which is basically NFL Network goes through, um, interviews different people that are close to the life of, of the guy. They do it with all the quarterbacks, I think. So they, they interviewed his high school, Tua's high school coach, his parents, um, and and 
Kirk Herbstreet, a guy that's been able to call a lot of his games on a national level, and Trent Dilfer, a guy he's been working with, and someone who's pretty well-renowned at being a, a leader in developing quarterbacks and, and studying quarterbacks. Uh, and all of them just had nothing but amazing things to say about Tua. Um, he's a leader. He wants to win. He's got a drive. He, he, he has a personality that just makes people gravitate toward him. Uh, and obviously right now the biggest thing is injury concerns. I mean, if, if he did not go down, uh, I mean, it's been hand, hip, ankle, uh, you name it. He, he struggled with injuries, and I think that's the thing that's limiting him. Um, right now he's... Uh, I, I just don't know, you know, it's hard to tell with, with doctors and, and what they're saying and, and what they think um, because it's not team doctors, right? We're not getting, we're not able to get an unbiased guy and obviously they're going to say a lot of nice things about Tua because they want him to, to do well and be drafted well. Um, but the, the talent is undeniable. I mean, he's a leader at the quarterback position. He's got great movement in the pocket, very, very versatile, um, an accurate thrower, incredibly accurate. Uh, and he's only lost two games in his entire college career, which is absolutely incredible. Uh, one of the interesting things is that he's the uh, he's a left-handed quarterback, and the la- last left-handed quarterback to throw a touchdown in the NFL was actually Kellen Moore from the Cowboys. Uh, most notably, a left-handed quarterback. You're looking at Steve Young. Uh, it's an interesting thing the way the ball comes off of his hand. Uh, you talk to Jerry Rice who said that it actually spins different. It looks different coming off the hand of a left-handed quarterback as opposed to a right-handed quarterback. Now, I don't think that's going to be a big issue. That won't be a massive concern for for um, wide receivers. Obviously, they can adjust, but it's just a little interesting tidbit that I thought was, was pretty cool. Uh, number four, the Giants. There was a couple directions I could go with this move. Uh, obviously, they need offensive tackle. They need to shore up that offensive line and, and keep Daniel Jones upright. But also, you've got probably the best athlete in the class in Isaiah Simmons on the board still, a guy who's very versatile and on that defense could be could be the quarterback of the defense. But ultimately, I wanted to give Dave Gettleman the benefit of the doubt and recognizing that the biggest need is that offensive tackle position. So they take the best, in my opinion, the best offensive tackle in the class, and that's Jedrick Wills. Jedrick Wills is spent his whole career essentially uh, protecting Tua Tungavailoa's blind side so he's a right right played right tackle uh questions about whether he moved right or left tackle are uh kind of looming but that's really the the big thing uh he's he's incredibly quick on his feet and you you wouldn't you wouldn't think that of a guy who's who's six four three hundred pounds um and he's got a really high ceiling right away uh a, a lot of guys a lot of guys that are smarter than me that that evaluate offensive tackle positions say Jedrick Willis could be one of the best tackles in the NFL within a matter of just a few years, which is exactly what you want from the Giants. Uh, you know, you got you to gotta get on base with this pick. You know, you could go for the home run with Isaiah Simmons, but right now keeping Daniel Jones upright and, and working weapons around him is ultimately going to be what leads them to the most success. Um, I, I mean, the biggest question here at this point is, does he stay right tackle or does he go left tackle? Um, can he make that transition? Obviously, we know it's different, but at the same time, he's protecting blind sides. You know, with two, he was protecting his blind side, so... It's the same idea there. Um, shouldn't be a huge concern, but yeah, I, I like this pick for the Giants. This is where I would go probably um, if if I was a Giants GM, but I think this is where they'll go in the draft. Uh, number five, the Lions move back to five from three, but still are able to get their guy in Jeff Okuda, the cornerback out of Ohio State. Uh, a, a dog in coverage. One of the best corners, the best corner in the, in the entire college football world this past year, and it wasn't close. I mean, looking at his numbers this year, uh, opponents win targeting Okuda. They were 27 of 58 for 282 yards, 
a touchdown, three interceptions, and a 45.3 passer rating, which is insane. You don't really see that out of these corners. Uh, it's very reminiscent of, if you look at guys like Darrell Rivas and Jalen Ramsey, I think Jeff Okuda has a chance to be in that class of, of you look at true elite lockdown corners. Jeff Okuda is well on his way to being in that spot. Um, and obviously the Lions got rid of Darius Slay this past year, but Jeff Okuda is cheaper. I think he's got a higher ceiling. He's going to be, he may not be better right now, but give him a few years and, and we could be talking about him as one of the best corners in the class, which is amazing to think you get a guy like that at five uh, for your team, especially trading back and adding another first rounder. Uh, this is a big year for Matt Patricia and the Lions, and they, they kind of have to they kind of have to be smart with these. And, and this is a perfect example of a smart move, trading back and still able to get your guy. Uh, number six, the Chargers are up now, and a lot of mocks have 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 been having them take Justin Herbert. But just looking at the line, look looking at the spot right now, uh, they obviously have a guy in Derwin James who many are comping Isaiah Simmons toward. Um, and the fact that he's still here at six is just going to be too much for the Chargers to pass up, I think. And, and they'll go Isaiah Simmons here at six. Uh, he's 6'4", 238 pounds, got a 4.3940, which is crazy. A sub 4'4 for a guy that's 240 pounds on the defense. Um, he played everywhere at Clemson, corner, edge rusher, linebacker, safety. Uh, and and he's, he's versatile enough. He's And I believe he could do that at the next level. I'm not saying, you know, he's going to be lining up everywhere on defense, but... He could play corner in a pinch. Uh, obviously, main main position maybe linebacker, but he could transition to safety as well. He's versatile enough to guard wide receivers and tight ends, but also play a QB spy on, on a guy like Lamar Jackson, who has made teams look really silly um, this past season. Derwin James was essential in their playoff game last year, or two years ago, excuse me, uh, in, in shutting down Lamar Jackson as he played that role. But you get two game-breaking defensive players, uh, that that may be just too much for uh, the Chargers or the the Chiefs and the Raiders and the Broncos to handle. I mean, that's you're you're talking about one of the best defenses in the league. If you add, uh, you think who they've got now: Melvin Ingram, Joey Bosa, um, and and Derwin James. You pair it with with a guy like Isaiah Simmons, and 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 that's just next level. Uh, moving on to number seven, we got a trade here. So it's originally the Panthers pick, uh, but we got a little intradivision trade. So the Tampa Bay Buccaneers give up their first rounder this year at number 14 and their first rounder next year to move up seven spots to seven uh, and, and make a selection at the Panthers pick. Now for the Bucs here, they really need an offensive tackle. It's one of their biggest needs, uh, especially getting a guy like Tom Brady. You got to make sure he stays upright and they're mortgaging a bit of the future to get up here. Obviously one tackles off the board and we're expecting a run on tackles here in the middle, middle back half of this season. Uh, the, the top 10. So they're getting ahead of it, basically getting their, their pick of the litter. And I think they go with Andrew Thomas, the offensive tackle out of Georgia. Now, Andrew Thomas, many are saying is the most NFL ready. The Right now he's got the highest floor and he could go in and, and make moves right away. Um, obviously a, a guy, 6'5", 315, not going to be crazy athletic, which, and he's not very agile, uh, which has caused a lot of questions for people, but he's got decently quick feet. Um, and, and he, he's going to be a guy that they can put in right away. Now, athleticism, sometimes he relies over technique, which is a guy, you know, you, you get a guy at this level uh, that's bound to happen. But overall, he's going to be a great pickup for the Bucks, who are in desperate need of an offensive tackle and had to give up a first rounder to do it, but now can can rest easy a little bit 
knowing that they've got they've got a guy in Andrew Thomas. Number eight uh, is the Cardinals, and the Cardinals are going to pair their quarterback Kyler Murray. Uh, well, first off, there's a few directions they could go. There's a couple of good defensive prospects out here, and obviously two more of that top tier offensive tackle class. But there's no way in the world Cliff Kingsbury, the prince of the air raid offense, is going to take anything other than an offensive player. And I threw around the idea of a tackle because that's their number one need. But knowing Cliff Kingsbury, not only is it going to be not an offensive tackle, but not not defense, but not an offensive tackle, it's going to be a weapon. Somebody that Kyler Murray can throw the ball to, and they reunite him with its old college teammate, CeeDee Lamb. Now, CeeDee Lamb is actually my third wide receiver out of the, out of the, the top three. Jerry Judy's one, Henry Ruggs is two, and then CeeDee Lamb is three. Um, but they're all so very close. I mean, you look at all what all of them are able to do. They're they're very different, and I'll talk about each of them as as they make as they get selected. But looking at CD Lamb is insane after the catch. He's making defenders look silly. Fifty uh, fifty balls are more like sixty forty, and he's got a really good route tree at this point in his career. Obviously, it's going to grow as it does with most NFL uh, NFL prospects, especially at the top level. But his weaknesses doesn't uh, doesn't possess an elite speed, and his break off the jump is is less than less than stellar. Uh, he's got essentially one move, a little stutter step uh, that he uses to create separation. And cornerbacks at the NFL level are going to be able to pick up on that and shut it down pretty quickly. Uh, and obviously, he played against Big Twelve defenses, which they're not known for being all that good. So how is he going to fare uh, at the next level with really top elite talent? Um, I think he's going to be okay. Uh, he, he's not afraid to make those contested catches, like I mentioned, so that'll make up for a lack of speed. Um, but his comp actually will be his teammate, and, and that's Larry Fitzgerald. I think what Larry Fitzgerald's been able to do, uh, CeeDee Lamb will be able to replicate. He'll be able to carve out a role on that team, similar to what he has, as Larry Fitzgerald probably is going to retire next year and, and get ready to pass the torch. Here at number nine, we've got another trade. So the Eagles have been desperate for a wide receiver, and they're going to get their guy. They're moving all the way up from 21 to 9. Um, and, and in addition to that 21 overall pick, they're giving up number 53 and a 2021 third to move 12 spots up to trade with the Jaguars. Uh, they've been linked to CeeDee Lamb, the Eagles have, and now obviously he's off the board, so they have to settle for my number one wide receiver in the entire class, and that's Jerry Judy. Uh, you look at it, everything down the list. He's great separation at the line, probably the best route runner after the catch, he's really good too. Uh, great hands, everything you want. He's got potential to be a number one receiver right away. And in the Eagles offense, he probably will just because they need it so bad. Um, but he checks a lot of the boxes. I mean, he's going to be really special here in the NFL. Uh, and and he's, th- there's a comp or an idea that was thrown around. Mark Schofield at USA Today called him a head-to-toe route runner. Now, what that means is he's basically using every piece of his body to throw defenders off his scent. So if he if he's cutting left, he'll he'll make a, a a head fake to the right, or he'll he'll twist his hips just a little bit uh, before he jumps in the other direction. I mean, he's a very smart route runner. Uh, that's why my comp for him is Amari Cooper, and I think the Eagles are going to be very happy. Carson Wentz is going to be very happy getting a guy like Jerry Judy here at number nine. Now moving on to number ten, uh, the Browns. They need an offensive tackle. So they're going to go with the most athletic offensive tackle in the class. They're running Kevin Stefanski's power run set. Uh, you know, tackles are going to need to get out and go. They're going to be able to need, be athletic and move around and, and basically block guys in space, which I think out of these four, Tristan Wirfs is going to be the best suited for that. 
um, had a great combine, great running ability. That's the interesting thing with these four offensive tackles. Each of them does something different. Jedrick Wills has uh, potential to be a star, a high floor guy, or a really good piece. Andrew Thomas has the highest floor, may probably has the lowest ceiling, but will be an NFL, an above average NFL offensive tackle for the majority of his career. Tristan Wirfs, the most athletic, the most versatile, and Mackay Becton, uh, who we'll talk about in just a little bit here, actually has probably the lowest, uh, the lowest floor, but the highest ceiling. He's got the best potential to be a, a star. He just needs obviously the right development. But it makes sense for the Browns pair him with Jack Conklin, and all of a sudden you go from one of the worst offensive tackle groups to one of the best in a matter of just one offseason. So great move for the Browns there. And at 11, uh, the Jets. We don't have to wait long to hear about this next offensive tackle, Makai Becton. I mean, obviously we've talked about him, talked about uh, how his potential to be a star at this point. Um, but you look at his size. I mean, that's what teams really fall in love with. He's a uh, he's six seven, three hundred seventy pounds. Surprisingly, really quick, and had an amazing combine, which kind of led to uh, led to teams being more apt to taking him. I think it was Daniel Jeremiah who first threw out the idea of selecting the offensive tackle. Actually, he had him going to the Giants at four. Uh, I'm not going to do that, but you just look at what he's able to do. He's throwing guys all over the place at Louisville this past year. Um, and like I said, wow, the scouts at the combine. But he's going to be a project, guys. Technique is underdeveloped. He relies on athleticism and strength more than more than most should. Uh, and, and that may hurt him a little bit in the early going uh, with the Jets. But the Jets need an offensive tackle. It's a, a necessity for them at this point. And what better guy than the guy who's got the highest star power in Mekhi Becton. So that's the Jets pick at 11. And then the Raiders at 12, they're looking at the wide receiver class. They're looking at the um, quarterback class because they're in rumors with that. They don't really like their options here. So they're actually going to trade back. Another intradivision trade. Uh, the Raiders are going to trade with the Broncos. Uh, they're sending their number 12 pick for the Broncos, number 15, and a 2021 second. The Broncos know that this is basically the last of the top-tier weapons, uh, and they need to surround Drew Locke with some more. So they're going to take, at number 12, Henry Ruggs, wide receiver out of Alabama. Now, the interesting thing with Henry Ruggs is most people assume, oh, well, he's got sub-4-3 speed. He's probably not a good route runner. Actually, he is. He's got an above, out of this class, he's an above-average route runner at this point in his career. He uses his speed really well, but he also is able to transition um, and, and run a, a pl not, not a plethora of routes, I would say, but he's above average. He wasn't asked to run a ton, but he's more than capable of doing so. And, I mean, we'd expect for those routes to expand as he moves through, moves through his career. I mean, he's the perfect guy to pair with Cortland Sutton. He's got insane speed, like I said, 4.27 at the combine. Uh, but the one thing you may not know is he's got really good hands. Out of 139 targets at Alabama, he just had five drops. Um, a good release at the line, obviously. Paired with his speed makes him a lethal receiver once he gets in space. Obviously a great vertical threat, but he can run the slant too. I mean, we've seen it over and over again at Alabama. He just runs right over the middle and all of a sudden he's gone. 75-yard touchdown just like that. Um, weaknesses, press coverage, they didn't face a lot. That's another thing with Jerry Judy, too. Both of them didn't face a lot of press coverage in Alabama, uh, at Alabama. So how are they going to fare uh, at the NFL level if they face that? That's just a question they'll have to answer because there's really no tape on it. Um, and the other thing is lack of production. So he's he, obviously he's playing with Jalen Waddell, uh, Devontae Smith, and Jerry Judy, guys that are going to take targets from him. But he didn't really have the production you'd expect out of a guy like that, especially a speedster. 
Um, I, I think that's not so much a weakness as it was. You had four first-round talent wide receivers that Tua Tagovailoa was throwing the ball to, and there's nothing more than that. Um, but then the other thing is, was was he schemed open in those in those times that he operated? Um, we won't know for sure. I think Drew Locke is going to love having him and Cortland Sutton, and Sutton will take a lot of pressure off Henry Ruggs to perform right away, uh, making this a really good pick at 12. Now at 13, it's the 49ers. The 49ers now essentially traded up at 13, or traded with the Colts, uh, to take a wide receiver. That was their goal, and now all three wide receivers are off the board. So they're going to say, you know what? Let's trade back a couple spots and we'll regroup uh, and a team and do so with a team that's been talking a lot about moving up. Uh, and, and that is the Falcons. The Falcons move up from 13. So the 49ers send their number 13 pick for the Falcons pick at 16 and also the sec- their second rounder, number 47. So with this pick, the Falcons are going to take what people are arguing, and I don't understand it, but people are arguing the best corner in the entire class in C.J. Henderson. Uh, let's talk a little bit about C.J. Henderson here. Obviously, I've mentioned it before. I'm not the highest on him, just looking at what we've seen. Um, I mean, let's talk about the positives first. He's a pure athlete, sub 4-4, uh, really good move, really good movement and coverage, um, but that somehow, that sometimes comes back to bite him a little bit. Uh, he's He's got, I think he bets on himself a little bit too much. He's known to bait receivers uh, and bait quarterbacks into throwing that way and sometimes it's caused him to get burned I mean obviously the worst game was was playing LSU but LSU made a lot of teams look silly so you can't entirely fault him for that but you look at it uh, and, and another thing Florida cornerbacks haven't fared well in the NFL I mean they're athletes and they move really well just like CJ Henderson but when it comes down to it the IQ doesn't match up with that athleticism and they burn out pretty quickly uh, so that's one thing to really look out for. Um, not the best tackler. He, he's average. He goes for the big hit, and if he gets it, I mean, great. But more often than not, he's going to miss. But at the cornerback position, you don't have to be a great tackler. Any defensive back doesn't have to be a great tackler. Um, but anyways, the Falcons get their guy at corner here, C.J. Henderson. Now moving on to 14, it's Derek Brown out of Auburn. Uh, and this was the, the Bucks' original pick that they traded with the Panthers. So the Panthers were debating getting a guy like Derrick Brown anyways at number seven. But after we see a run on offensive tackles and wide receivers, they're able to trade seven spots back, get a first rounder for next year, and still take Derrick Brown at this spot. I mean, absolutely great pick. Looking at the tape at Derrick Brown, I mean, he just wows you. If he get if he has you in his sights, you're not getting past him. He's a great tackler, uh, a great just overall beast inside. He's throwing guys, throwing guys into, into quarterbacks. Um, plugging up holes, and he commands a lot of attention with from that offensive line, which is amazing that he's able to still put up the numbers he does. Uh, and he's incredibly athletic. There's one play in particular that I I keep coming back to. Uh, he had a fumble recovery. I think it was earlier this year, and he took off running with it, uh, and he tripped and fell, or else he probably would have scored a touchdown. But on the break, his speed just was mouth dropping for me. I thought it was absolutely incredible. I, what he's capable of. Um, he's got a very, very high ceiling, um, and a pretty high floor too at this point, which is, which is good for him, uh, good for him and good for the Panthers, a team that has lost a lot of key pieces, uh, will now be able to bolster that defensive line with a pick in Derek Brown. Um, uh, one of his weaknesses, I would say he had a poor combine, but you just look at the tape and, th- and that tells you all you need to know. So at 15, the Raiders, you may remember they traded back with the Broncos, uh, to get this pick. And it may shock some people, but 
John Gruden, we know, hasn't been the biggest fan of Derek Carr. So I think here they got to move back, so they were able to pick up a couple of picks, um, uh, obviously a second rounder in 2021. So that, that could be something to, to look out for. But I think they're going to go ahead and go with Jordan Love. Now, obviously, they've got the, they've, they've got the ability to wait on it a little bit uh, with, with Derek Carr and Marcus Mariota employed at that quarterback position. But adding a guy like Jordan Love, who's going to be a prospect, is a dream for John Gruden. I mean, he, since he's gotten back into the NFL, he hasn't really been able to develop a quarterback. Uh, and you can tell he's getting more and more frustrated with Derek Carr and the way he's playing. But looking at some of his traits here, I mean, Jordan Love probably has... Uh, and we, we can debate this, he's probably got the high ceiling in the entire draft. I mean, you look at what he can do with the deep ball, uh, movement in the pocket is elite, uh, probably the best arm talent in the entire draft, but with the strengths come weaknesses. Not the best decision maker, uh, wasn't able to carry the team last year. Obviously, he, he dropped, um, he lost his entire coaching staff, he lost his top receiver target, he lost a running back, he lost tight end, lost some offensive linemen, um, and Threw 20 touchdowns, 17 interceptions last year, which is totally different from 2018. 32 touchdowns, 6 picks. I mean, he looked like one of the best prospects in 2018 and had a bit of a fall from grace in 2019. But luckily, he'll be able to go into a system that will allow him to to wait a little bit and develop as a quarterback before he eventually moves into that starting spot. So I think this is a great move for the Raiders and Jordan Love, um, and John Gruden gets gets a quarterback. Now we've got the 49ers. The 49ers traded back, if you remember, uh, with the Falcons. So the Falcons could take C.J. Henderson. And here they're going to go with a, uh, with a wide receiver. Now they, they moved back so they're able to get another piece, uh, the 47th pick in this year's draft. Because if you remember, they don't have a pick in rounds two through four. So they're, they're, they're looking to add more pieces, more depth. And we may see them add some more depth later on in this draft. Uh, but they get a guy, Justin Jefferson, wide receiver out of LSU. Now, his biggest question mark, same thing with Joe Burrow. Who was responsible for that success and that amazing year? I mean, he put up big numbers, but can it, can he be the one that's, you know, responsible for, for all this all the good things that have happened? Uh, he's an above-average route runner, but Justin Jefferson's biggest knock may be that he may be a slot receiver and nothing more. He played a lot of it at LSU. Obviously, Jamar Chase was out wide, so that didn't leave him a lot of room, but he still put up big numbers uh, in, in moments that he was in but just out of slot. Now, maybe he transitions out of the slot receiver, but regardless, I think a guy like like Justin Jefferson, my, uh, Kyle Shanahan would love to uh, put into that offense and just add to the amount of weapons they have at this point. I mean, if anyone's going to make Justin Jefferson look good, I think it'll be Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers. Now at 17, the Dallas Cowboys are up, and they get probably a top 10 guy in the entire draft. He, he falls here. A uh, little bit of a slide just because of the run on offensive offensive tackles and, and receivers, and that's the defensive lineman out of South Carolina, Javon Kinlaw. Now, Javon Kinlaw and Derek Brown, people are talking, uh, trying to figure out who's better. I've got right now, I've got Derek Brown ranked over Javon Kinlaw, but you look at just his strength and what Javon Kinlaw is able to do. I mean, he's got a very high ceiling. Who knows? At some point, he may pass him up, but right now, Derek Brown is probably the better prospect. I mean, Javon Kinlaw lit up the Senior Bowl, was the best guy there, and didn't even play in the game just because he had dominated in practice so much. He's got a great bull rush that he's just able to plow over offensive guards and centers uh, to get after the quarterback, and he did so against a lot of really good SEC offenses. Um, probably a couple weaknesses here. He's got below average play rec. He's not this 
the smartest guy, which obviously that's going to come with age. Um, but And also outside of that bull rush move that I mentioned is so effective, he doesn't have a lot of other ways to win. Uh, now, will that happen at the next level? He's probably going to have to develop a couple more because guys in the NFL are going to get used to trying to try and be knocked over, and it doesn't happen as easily as, as guys in college. So Javon Kinlaw there. Now at 18, we've got the Miami Dolphins. Their next selection, uh, they would have three, but obviously they traded up with the Lions. So at 18 here, they got two at three. So now they got to figure out a way to protect him. And what better way to protect him than with offensive tackle Josh Jones? Uh, I've got him right now as, as offensive tackle five. I mean, he's a good he's a good mover. Uh, he may be a bit of a project right now, but he's he, he may have to start for the Dolphins right away. Um, he's got decent hands, uh, somewhat agile. It's it's just kind of all the way around um, a, a, a good project, a good prospect, somebody that they'll be able to develop to be the offensive tackle of the future, either on the right side or the left side. Uh, no, no one knows at this point, but... A good move here by the Dolphins. Maybe a bit of a reach, but it's essential that they shore up that offensive tackle position pretty quickly. Then at 19, we've got Kenneth Murray, the linebacker of Oklahoma. Uh, A really good tackler in space. A good field general, as he was for Oklahoma in that Big 12 defense last year. Um, A high IQ player, high high character player. Um, And and the Raiders at 19 now are, are starting to stack some things together. Now they've got Jordan Lovett quarterback here. Linebacker was a big need last year. So they can fill that hole, even though they've already signed a couple free agents. Uh, getting another guy, especially one that is of this quality at 19, is a good get for, for the Oakland Raiders. Now, 20 and 21, the Jaguars have back-to-back picks because they traded with Philadelphia Eagles to move back to 21. So they've got two picks here right in a row, and they're going to go with a couple of really high-quality guys at this point, um, high-ceiling players, uh, people that they really need because uh, it seems like everybody wants to leave Jacksonville. So the first one at 20, they're going to go Clavon Chason. High character player, uh, was selected to wear number 18 at LSU last year, which signifies somebody who, who is a high character guy. Uh, really good speed, good bend around the edge. That's his main way to get to the quarterback. Um, he's got a very high motor. Um, and, and you look at that defense right now. Um, to put him in the right situation, he's, he's going to be my dark horse pick for for defensive rookie of the year. I mean, if the Cowboys pull the trigger on him with that defensive line uh, or the Jags, just just what they have already, especially if they keep keep Yannick Ngakwe, uh, he's he's going to thrive when put with other playmakers. Um, and, and obviously, that's something to look out for. But a couple weaknesses, like I said, he uses speed to get around the edge, but he doesn't really have a lot of strength moves. Um, could develop that a little more. Uh, an ACL injury in 2018, don't know if there's lingering effects there. And as I mentioned, production comes in spurts. He's not going to go out and and put up you know a sack a game, but there's going to be games where all of a sudden he shows up in a big way and and could collect two or three sacks, uh, and and which is why I've got him as my my dark horse defensive rookie of the year candidate. Um, and before we get to this next Jaguars pick, I just want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Audible is the easiest way to start listening to audiobooks. Maybe you're getting tired of podcasts and you want to transition. Um, hopefully you stay listening to us, obviously, but Audible has thousands of selections. I mean, you look at it, tons of genres, uh, a great way to start a new habit uh, and getting into audiobooks. And listeners of this podcast can start a free trial, 30 days with a free book going to audibletrial.com slash NGL podcast. That's audibletrial.com slash NGL podcast to get started today. Now we've got 21 
with the Jaguars, uh, and the Jaguars are going to take another high-character guy uh, out of Alabama with a high floor. That's Xavier McKinney out of a safety out of Alabama. Uh, just a great guy, Nick's, one of Nick Saban's favorites. Um, and if you're one of Nick Saban's favorites, then you know that that you've done something right there, and and you couldn't go wrong picking guys just from Alabama. Uh, you know, Nick Saban works hard. Xavier McKinney, look, is not going to win any any um, Defensive Player of the Year awards. He may not be an All-Pro. Uh, at best, he's probably going to be a multi-time Pro Bowler, but he'll get in right away and be an above-average player for the majority of his career, which is which is what the Jaguars could use at this point. Um, they've obviously had luck developing defensive guys in the past, so we hope to see this continue. And, and they've got two really good pieces right now that they can fill in. Uh, in in Clavon Chason and Xavier McKinney. Next at 22, we've got Denzel Mims to the Vikings, the wide receiver out of Baylor. I mean, looking at his size, I, I this is probably one of my favorite prospects. I'm I'm pretty sure we've talked about him before at this point, but you just look at his what he's able to do. Uh, 6'4", 207 pounds, ran a sub 4440, which uh, at a guy at that size, um, and and that build is. An, an incredible, an incredible mover. Um, yeah, like I said, big body, amazing athlete. He really likes contested catches. Obviously, at his size, it makes him, e- it makes it easier to body some of those smaller corners, uh, and he does so on a regular basis. Uh, he's a, he's a decent route runner, which is a big plus for his size. Obviously, being six four, and at the Senior Bowl, he flashed, which we've seen guys Terry McLaurin flash at the Senior Bowl, and and he went in the middle of the second round, um, and he was one of the best offensive rookies of this past season. One of his biggest weaknesses is drops. He had he dropped nine percent of his passes in 2019, which was actually down from 13 percent in 2018. So definitely something to look out for. But the other thing is, wasn't really asked to run a lot of routes in college. Like I said, he was a good route runner uh, in the routes he was asked to do, but he wasn't really asked to go outside of his comfort zone. So that'll be something that we will have to look out for as we move uh, into this season. But it's going to be a great compliment to Adam Thielen, a big body target. Uh, with a big catch radius for for Kirk Cousins, um, a, a good move for the Vikings here at, at 22. Now at 23, it's the Patriots, and there's one quarterback out of the four that has somehow dropped, and Bill Belichick is not going to pass this opportunity up. He's going to take Justin Herbert, the quarterback out of Oregon. Uh, Justin Herbert's a, a leader, high quality player. He's just a gamer. I mean, you look at his his last few games against Utah and Wisconsin. Um, the ball wasn't really hitting the way it was supposed to off his arm, so he was making a lot of plays with his legs. I think he had four touchdowns, rushing touchdowns in the last in those last two games, which is a complete 180 from what we've seen from him as a prospect the entire year. Um, weakness, obviously, he's not going to be able to go in and, and play right away. I wouldn't be surprised if Jared Stidham is under center for the Patriots starting week one, but later on in the season, we could see some sort of movement that that Herbert gets to start. Um, he he's gonna need more talent around him. I think he's not he doesn't he's not the type to elevate his play or elevate the play of others to his play. But it's it's more vice versa. He needs some good targets uh, to to get to that level. But you couldn't ask to go to a better situation than than uh, the Patriots and Bill Belichick. So Justin Herbert at 23 to the Patriots. Uh, and moving on to 24, a guy who I I think really like Jordan Love, the team that will select him if he's there. Uh, and, and that's the New Orleans Saints. So at this point, he's gone. So I'm going to have them taking the best corner left in the draft. This may surprise some people, but A.J. Terrell, 
a corner out of Clemson. Uh, he's very long, athletic, 6'1", 195 pounds. Uh, he's a high IQ guy and an elite corner in man coverage. His biggest knock is getting burnt up by Jamar Chase in that LSU offense, something that everyone had, had done or something that happened to everyone uh, that played them this past season. And part of that is he was in good position, but at his frame, he doesn't he's, he doesn't really like making those contested uh, uh, deflections. He, he's not really a, a fighter at that level um, when it comes to, to defending passes. He'll be in a good position, but that next step is is being physical with with the wide receiver and and you know fight fighting a little bit, pushing back. Uh, but once he gets that, I mean, he's going to be one of he's going to be a really good corner. I think his ceiling is is um, up there with C.J. Henderson, maybe even higher at this point. But he's got a couple kinks to work out of his game. And what better place to go than New Orleans with the Saints and Sean Payton and all that talent across the board? A really solid group. Then at 25, we get the Vikings again. Um, they're going to take an offensive tackle here. I think that's a big need for them. Uh, we we could see them go. We could see them make a trade at some point. I was talking to uh, a listener of the podcast, Joe Hess. Shout out Dean Hess if 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 you're listening. Um, and he said that he emphasized the importance of kind of that offensive tackle spot, saying that maybe they could trade for Trent Williams on draft night. Um, I think that'd be a great move, especially because his values continue to drop uh, as as we go further and further without him finding a new team, and he becomes more and more disgruntled. Um, but getting a guy like Austin Jackson, uh, really, really good guy, uh, donated bone marrow or had bone marrow surgery or something, donated it to his sister, uh, which caused him to miss most of the offseason going into USC in this past year. Um, and and he may not go out right and say it, but that may have caused him a lot of issues in, in, um, in this past season, what he's able to do. He was lacking in coverage, didn't really move as, as well as, as people had expected him to. Um, technique is there. I think he's a solid player, and he could be one of the steals in the draft late first round um, if this if this bone marrow thing really did affect his play this past year. Then at 26, we've got A.J. Epinesa going to the Lions, the edge rusher out of Iowa. His biggest knock is he just doesn't have a true position. I mean, when you, when you get him in the game, he dominates, but is that going to be as an edge rusher? Because he he's got a he's a little bit too big to be an edge rusher, but he's also a little too small to be a defensive lineman. Uh, he's he's too slow uh, around that corner, but he uses a lot of power moves, which I think will be effective. Uh, and and he fits the Matt Patricia offense or Matt Patricia defense. Um, but th- that caused him to fall a little bit. I think his value is a lot higher than 26, but not having a true position because you know because of lack of size and speed. It's going to be a deterrent for some teams, but not the Lions. Uh, they will take A.J. Epinesa at 26. And then at 27, it's the Seattle Seahawks. So there's rumors that they're, they may resign to Davion Clowney. They may not. Uh, but if they don't, they're going to be looking for his replacement. And I've got them taking edge rusher Yader Gross Matos out of Penn State. Really good guy. I was listening to an interview uh, from him just a little bit ago. Um, just a high-quality player, good motor. Uh, a lot of strength, and same with Epinesa. May not have that elite elite speed, but uh, he's got a lot of strength to, to pair with that. And they're both kind of in the same boat, Epinesa and Yader Grossmatos, but I think they're going to find good homes. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Seahawks trade out of the first round. I, I was trying to find a team to match them with. I couldn't find anybody. 
uh, just simply because uh, you know I'm not I'm not too aware of, of who's really trying to get in the back of the first round. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Seahawks trade out of this spot. But if not, I've got them taking Yader Gross Matos. And then at 28, we've got the Baltimore Ravens. Now I, I thought about going edge rusher here. They're they're looking to move Matthew Judon, uh, but I kind of settled on something that that the more I think about it, the more it just makes sense. Uh, I've got them taking the running back out of Wisconsin, Jonathan Taylor. Now, everything about Jonathan Taylor's game feels like an upgrade over Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram's getting older, obviously slower, uh, but Jonathan Taylor's got that the strength Mark Ingram does. He's faster than Mark Ingram. He's got the size. I mean, every, like you look at, he ran a 4 3 8 40 uh, at his size of over 200 pounds. That's a that's a really fast time. I mean, he's up there with Saquon Barkley's time uh, at that level. Obviously, the biggest thing will be fumbling for him. He struggled with that at Wisconsin, and he carried the ball a lot. How many miles does he have left on the tires? I think he's an immediate upgrade over Mark Ingram. Obviously, you can use Mark Ingram in situations, but just imagine that combo of Jonathan Taylor uh, and Mark Ingram in the backfield with Lamar Jackson. It's absolutely insane what they'll be able to do uh, from, from that position. Now at 29, we've got Patrick Queen, linebacker at LSU. Yet another LSU guy going to the Tennessee Titans. Uh, I think that's one of their big needs. Uh, Patrick Queen's going to be a high floor guy, a guy who can plug in right away and, and play. He could even be a, a three down guy at this point. Um, there's a lot of debate on really who's better, him or Kenneth Murray. Uh, it seems a lot closer for some people, um, but at, at the same time, they face a lot of really good colleges uh, this year, and, and the, the the defense got burned a little bit. I'll be honest with you. Uh, don't know if that was exactly Patrick Queen's fault, but the Titans needing a linebacker go with the best linebacker left in the class, and that's Patrick Queen. Uh, at 30, I wanted to go. I wanted to go wide receiver. I really did. Um, but just looking at the class, I mean, you could go Brandon Ayuk, you could go T. Higgins, you could go LaVisca Chenault, Michael Pittman, but none of them at this point seemed like, uh, it, it seemed like they could still find guys at the back end of the second round. So for this, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to need number two to address, and that's Austin Jackson, or not, sorry, not Austin Jackson, Isaiah Wilson, the offensive tackle out of, out of Georgia. Just an interesting thing about him, love SpongeBob. I mean, that's something I, combing through research, uh, I mean, you got to love a guy who, who loves SpongeBob, definitely. Uh, he's a film warrior. I mean, he was talking about what, what, guys, what guys he's seen in the NFL. I mean, Joe Thomas, Ronnie Staley. Uh, he's watching a lot of tape on a lot of these guys and, and works hard to model his game after some of the greats. Um, and he's an imposing figure. I mean, 6'6", 350 pounds. He's got this size that a lot of teams are going to fall in love with. Um, some of his weaknesses, he's not a good lateral mover. Obviously, at that size, you're you're going to assume something like that. Uh, and his technique, not the best. He's going to be a project here at 30, but uh, David Bakhtiari isn't getting any younger. Obviously, one of the best left tackles. Uh, so if you could put a guy like Isaiah Wilson on the right side, have him learn behind David Bakhtiari, and then slide him into the position when the time comes, that's a dream for the Packers. But obviously, wide receiver in that second round is going to be paramount. Uh, but here at 31, I've got the big the big trade uh the 49ers get out of the first round they needed some more capital like i mentioned so they're going to trade with the steelers they give up 31 for the steelers 49 uh, 124 and then a third rounder at 2021 and the steelers at 31 we've seen this before uh obviously you know that guys get the fifth year option if they're drafted in the first round so 
the Steelers want that out of this guy, uh, they're going to take a quarterback, Jalen Hurts, out of Oklahoma. Now, the reason why this makes sense is that Ben Roethlisberger isn't going to be around forever, right? He, he's hurting. Uh, he just got off of elbow surgery. Uh, who knows where he's going to be at this year? And Mason Rudolph and, and Duck Hodges are not going to be the answer uh, at that quarterback position, just plain and simple. Uh, Jalen Hurts is a winner. He's he's won a lot in the past. He's resilient. You look at his 31-10 comeback from Baylor this past year. He's a really good uh, mobile quarterback, something that we've seen has become more and more effective out of guys uh, in this position over the past few years. I mean, it's it's something that the game has evolved, and, and he he's likely to move up into this first round based off his legs alone. Um, he's gonna be a, a pro, he's not gonna be the perfect quarterback project or position right now. He tries to do much at times. Arm accuracy, talent, power, all question marks. Ball security. He doesn't really slide. He he's prone to big hits, which could lead to fumbles here in the NFL. But right now, uh, the the biggest thing for the Steelers, they don't have a first round pick. They really need to find their quarterback of the future, and I think it's worth pursuing in Jalen Hurts. Obviously, it's going to be an entirely new offense from Ben Roethlisberger, but. They were a quarterback away from missing the playoffs last year, and, and they know Mason Rudolph isn't going to be able to get it done. So they sacrifice a little bit of their depth for because they're ready to win right now. So they sacrifice a bit of depth for a guy like Jalen Hurts uh, who, who can put them in a position to be successful. And then finally at 32, we have the Kansas City Chiefs ending it off. Uh, this guy's continued to fall, and the Chiefs are going to be pretty happy that he's available at this spot. I thought about going running back. DeAndre Swift will be a very versatile option. Uh, somebody that will allow them to open up the field just a little bit more um, in, in the passing game. Obviously, pairing with Damian Williams, see what he can do there. But we're going to go with Cesar Ruiz, the center out of Michigan. So first off, he's versatile enough to play center or guard, which is something that you would love out of a team uh, to to continue to develop and, and kind of fit him in as injuries grow. Uh, an elite pass protector. He turns 21 this summer. That's He's very young, which is incredible to think about. Uh, can be a day one starter. You can put him in uh, right away, like I said, guard or center, and he'll be effective. Um, I mean, like I said, elite pass protector, allowed three sacks in 2,116 snaps at Michigan, which is absolutely incredible. Uh, Some of his weaknesses, though, questions about athleticism. Can he make blocks in space? Will he be able to get out there and go? I mean, as a guard, it may not be as effective for him to do that, but it's still going to be a question that teams are, are, are going to want to consider. Um, but yeah, 32, the final pick in the first round, the Kansas City Chiefs take Cesar Ruiz. So that's going to do it for this mock draft. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Like I said, this coming Thursday, I'll put the links out, uh, but we're going to have a live draft show with, with Kelvin, uh, maybe a couple guests, and we're going to be trying to give away some money uh, or uh, raise money for some food banks here locally. It's going to be a really good time. Hope to see you guys out there uh, through the through the comment section and, and through your views. But thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.